all got that voice in our head that tells us we can't do stuff. But some people are just better at not listening to it. And by sitting down with those people, asking them questions, and then you know, recording it and blasting it out on the internet, perhaps, maybe, I can help other people like me get out of our own way. Hey guys, welcome back to Closure Optional. My guest this week is Susan Kennedy, and she is a psychic medium, which means she uses intuition to read your personality and possibly your uh, better potential, and also, as a medium, has the ability to talk to dead people. Now, I know that sounds a bit fucking wacky, all right? And I am not in the practice in this podcast of making judgments about whether or not whatever someone does is real or not real or true or not true or whatever the fuck. What we do with Closure Optional is create a place where people can talk about crazy, wacky shit that they do, and I can listen to them and ask them questions about what that all means. But what Susan Kennedy does and her person in general, she doesn't profess to be able to tell you about the future. She, I even asked her that, and I said, I'm not sure about the whole future telling thing, and she said, that is not what I do. Her job is to try to use her intuition to get a good reading on what is possibly the best thing for you inside yourself. What are your best traits? What are your doubts? What are the sh- what's the shit that's stopping you from being... Uh, more close to your full potential or what she says, your higher self. This is a really interesting conversation. Um, I luckily sat there most of the time, didn't talk a lot, which is good for me. I told a few stories and uh, explored some of the notions that she had about the nature of being. And if it sounds like I'm taking for granted a a lot of wacky shit that she's saying, it's because I've spent a lot of time (laughs) being lost and confused and researching all kinds of wacky ideas that exist out in the world. So Hardly any crazy far-fetched idea seems that far-fetched to me at this point because there's so many ways that things, uh, these theories could be possible or real or not real or whatever. And um, I think it's neat. I think it's cool to be able to uh, discuss these things without judgment and listen to what people have to say about it. All I know is that this lady was really lovely, very friendly, very nice, very authentic, and I really enjoyed sitting in this room listening to her talk about what she does. So if you'd like to know, know more about what she does, her website is www.visana.com. And uh, yeah, if you want to go and see a psychic, I think I think it's cool. I've gone to see psychics before because uh, it's fun. It's a nice little fun experiment. Um, one thing I would... I spoke to a friend about this who was a heavy-duty cynic, and he basically just told me I was a fucking moron. But <laughs> uh, it was a very funny conversation. But we, he did bring to my attention through many articles he shared with me on Facebook about really serious cases of people being um, taken advantage of by people professing to be psychics or have psychic abilities. So if anyone tries to charge you a huge sum of money to extract a demon out of you or clear bad energy or do a cleansing ceremony or any of that fucking nonsense, tell them to go fuck themselves. They don't know what they're talking about. But if you are curious about something, you want to experience something, take it with a grain of salt, as with everything that we do. Not a lot of harm can come from 
opening up your mind to some better aspects of your personality to pursue better goals in your life. But if it looks like it's leading you in a negative direction, obsessive direction, you're feeling dependent on their ideas or their or rejecting new opportunities in your life because of what they have to say, it's probably not a good idea. And don't, for God's sakes, don't fucking pay someone $7,000 to extract a demon, okay? I don't need to tell you guys this. I know you're smarter than that. Anyways, please do enjoy this conversation. If you like this podcast or any other episodes, whatever, share it with your friends, tell everybody, like the fucking social media pages. You can support us at patreon.com. Thank you so much as always for listening. Welcome. Hi. How are you? Oh, hi. <laughs> Sorry, Lorna. Yeah, hi. You're talking to me. Of course you are. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming down here. You are so welcome. I'm so delighted to be here. Yay. It's a bit of time out of my normal day, so it's great. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. So you are, a, well, I'll let you introduce yourself. It's a, is it a psychic medium? Is that yeah, what you would is. call it? Okay. Yeah, it's a psychic medium and we call ourselves that. I mean, all mediums are psychic, but I do more than psychic work. So I work with those who are on the other side as well, which yeah. is what a medium is. Okay. Yeah. So those are the two different things. Yeah. And so for all the haters out there. Yeah. How do you manage that? How do you deal with people that just looking at you like, you're not a psychic, you're a psychopath that listens to voices <laughs> in your head? <laughs> um, do you know, I don't really come across a lot of that, although I have come across it. Mm. And it's interesting that the people that mostly um, want to cast judgment on what I do are the Christians. They're the oh, people yeah. that say, oh, you know, we don't believe in that and what you do is wrong. Mm. And I've had that said to me a couple of times and... I just think they don't fully understand what it is that we do do. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I just let it roll by, goes to the keeper. Yeah, and, yeah. and what about science people like cynics? Do you ever get much well, of that? Not really, and it's very interesting at the moment in my work. I'm really quite fascinated by this because I'm reading a book at the moment called um, Stealing the Fire, and okay. it's about how... NASA, not NASA, um, the Navy SEALs and Google are using the energy of ecstasy, but not ecstasy, the tablet, but getting into MDMA. altered states yeah. to be able to access higher levels of consciousness mm. and how to get people to be more productive and how to get people to work differently. So there is actually a lot of work in the scientific field trying to access this other level of consciousness. Mm. And that's all a psychic or a medium does is just go into another level of consciousness. And the um, at the moment I'm really finding it in my work that I'm getting people like solicitors, doctors, all of the people that I think when I when we're doing the reading and it comes out what they do, I go, oh, interesting <laughs> that they're coming to see me. Yeah. But they're looking for guidance. They're looking for that thing that they just can't quite access or can't quite see themselves. Mm. So I think... The world is changing and I think we've got people like, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but that show The Mentalist, I don't know whether you remember watching that on the TV. So it's, he's an Australian actor but it's a very American show and he's sort of a detective but he's using his intuition the whole way through. And even people like Tony Robbins who most mm. people know and follow, he, when he does his interventions with people, he said on that show, I'm not your guru, he said when I'm doing my intervention I'm working psychically so he's tuning into the person that stands up and he knows that the reason they've got a problem is because their father left when they were five because he's tuning into that 
energy that's there. Yeah. Okay. So I think it's becoming a lot more and more acceptable. And one of the things I've observed in my own journey is that when I was afraid to come out, because I I had a very straight previous life, mm. but when I've been afraid to talk about it, other people are sceptical. But now yeah. when I say what I do and I don't really care what they think, it's just, oh, yeah, that's what she does. I mean, mm. I go to coffee every morning in a very straight place. I'm in Main Beach every morning having coffee with all these businessmen. They know what I do mm. because when they ask me, I told them and they go, oh, yeah, I, I, you know, I had a reading once or, <laughs> you know, can you tell me about this? So it's just a matter of my own level of confidence in what yeah. I do. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it does. It changes, it changes a lot of everybody's perception about you, your own kind yeah. of confidence about yourself. And that's yeah. kind of one of the nicest things about what uh, yeah. somebody like you does is it sort of helps to instill that confidence yeah. in a person if yeah. they're having doubts or troubles or don't know how to manage something it's almost mm. like you're just providing them a rough path and a view of themselves yeah. that they can kind of build off of absolutely i i feel my role is to be the liaison between their highest self or their soul and them mm. and my job is to really help them see what they can't see mm. And usually people are their own worst critics and their own worst enemies. Fuck yeah. And yeah, <laughs> and I'm going to say that, fuck yeah. You know, there's times when I go, oh my God, you know, I want to do this. And I always remember in my own development, one of the really beautiful mediums in England, her name's Mavis Patilla, but she just looked at me. I asked her actually, you know, is this about eight or 10 years ago? And I said, am I meant to be doing this work? Can I do this work? And she just looked at me and she said, you're a born teacher and a born leader in her really northern English accent. <laughs> so I took that in and I, I've carried that with me mm. because I respected her and I respected her ability to see that best part of me that I sort of knew was there but didn't really believe in. Yeah. And I know when I see people, it's the, the, there are these pictures that start to form in my mind when I'm with someone and I always say to them, you want to be in my head because it's like this cartoon that's going on. But mm. I'll see these images and it will be, you know, I can see whether someone's got this ability with them or not, not this ability but, you know, the ability to teach or the ability to lead or the ability to be creative. Mm. And it's the creative energy and the creative force that changes the world. Yeah. It's the creators that push the boundaries. It's the people that say, you know, stuff this, this isn't working, I'm going to find another way. And so I just see my job as being the person that's the catalyst to open people up to their highest potential right. so that they can see that idea that's been brewing in the back of their mind, I'll see it when they come for a reading and I go, oh, you're thinking about this, this and this? And they go, yes. And I say, well, that's a really good idea and if you did this, this and this, this is how it would be successful. Right. So it's really being able to show them, you know, the, the way forward. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, get them out of their own way. Get them way. out of their own way and get them to see. That's what this see. podcast is for. You're putting me out of business. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but that is so cool, man. Yeah. I and mean, that's exactly yeah. what I'm trying to do in the yeah. same way. Like, Absolutely. I mean, that's the plan. It's yeah. like help guide ourselves back to ourselves yeah. in a way yeah. that we can kind of yeah. make significant change in our own lives and help other people and stuff. I mean, it's a lofty aim, but it's... I think it's absolutely necessary. It is necessary. And what I love about what you're doing is you're saying to people, hey, there are many ways to get there. There are yes. many, you know, and the thing is that we all try 
to fit in. You know, there's this energy of trying to fit mm. in, to be liked, to be loved. It's a basic human need that we've got is to be accepted. But when there's a calling in the soul that says, hey, do something different or step outside of the box, there's all that fear of, well, if I do this, will I fail? Will my family agree with what I do? Will I be seen as a weirdo? Will I, you know, will I ruin everything in my relationships? So that call to be authentic is part of the reason that we come in in from spirit form into human form mm. is to say when you come in, you come in to be the most authentic version of yourself you can be. And I believe that we're here to learn more about ourselves but to get rid of all the crap and the mm. crap is all the stuff that we've accumulated when, you know, in our early lives. So life's really about purification. Mm. It's about getting rid of all the rubbish and getting back to the pure essence of us as spirit that says we actually can do whatever we put our mind to. So I believe that there's nothing, you know, that I couldn't do if I had the training, the skills, the confidence and I applied myself to it. Mm. There's things I don't want to do. Just yeah. like you, there's things, you know, you want to do things you don't want to do. Yeah. But I think there is a driving force in all of us to be happy. Yeah, or or be, yeah, like content with yeah. your experience of yourself. Yeah. I've been trying to talk about this idea to my friends a little bit because I'm struggling. Um, I've come, I've all my life I've, I've had this sensation of there being a hole in my chest. Right. That needs to be... It, it feels hungry, you know, it yeah. feels like, yeah. Uh, and I've read books, I've read a ton of books about the concept of the void or um, yeah. my friend was talking about this in Buddhism, they call it the realm of the hungry ghosts. Yeah. And it's this place inside you that it's, it's like the ultimate motivator, but it's also the scariest place in the world. And it's yeah. like this um, feeling of like deep homesickness, yeah. loneliness that kind of yeah. lives in the center of my chest. And I remember when I was a little kid, I was like seven, six or seven. And I realized I had, I had like a panic attack. And then I realized that my mother was going to die before I would, or yeah. that that's kind of the natural yeah. order of things. And that I am on my own on this. Yeah. Like that all, all of a sudden at six years old, I realized no one can hold me. No one can help me. I am with this feeling forever. Yeah. This yeah. is who I am. And it's not that it needed to suffocate me. It was just like, this is a part of my being. Yeah. And I, just the other night I had um, a dream that woke me up and it was that exact feeling again. It was just this deep, whole homesickness. It just It's like being, like if I was cast out into outer space and I was just floating in outer space and there's no yeah. one to talk to, no, nothing to see, nothing to feel. And it's not like I'm dying. It's just that I'm nothing. Yeah. And that feeling of empty nothingness, I thought I could fill it with stuff. Yeah. And every once in a while I get reminded that you can't fill it with anything. It doesn't, it's not a thing that can be filled or patched. Mm. And I wonder if that's like our driving force. It's almost like I feel like we're born with this feeling yeah. of loss, which makes us live. That's fascinating. And I've never thought of it that way. But what I get is it's a disconnection from source or it's a feeling that we don't belong. Yes. And, yeah. and that feeling, and you're so right, and even as early as this morning, um, I had an appointment before I came here and one of the people, um, you know, it's a lady and a husband and there was this energy in the reading that one of them's trying to fill themselves up with stuff mm. and it's this eternal quest for what is ever enough. Right. And there yeah. is a driving force in us you know, for what is ever enough. 
And I had that same feeling in my life as well. I always felt different, always felt disconnected and I always felt that I was the responsible one in all of my relationships, mm. um, especially for my mother. Mm. Yeah, you had a difficult um, had a difficult thing run of I, things for yeah, a while. But I, but I just want to stay with that concept you were talking about because what it says to me is that there is just a longing within us for us to feel as though we are part of everything. Mm. And I feel for myself that through meditation but through releasing and surrendering the need to be anything more than who I am, more that thing of I am enough. Mm. And that's only really come to me in the last maybe eh, six months or mm. something. Mm. And I'll be 58 soon. Yeah, well. So my journey has been helping other people to find that. But mm. truly experiencing it, I am enough and I'm here. And, and I often think to myself, if I died tomorrow, I wouldn't be afraid. And I don't think I'd be sad because I feel as though... I live everything with passion and with authenticity. Mm. You know, it's that feeling of I'm just being who I am. Yeah. So there comes a point where that void, if you like, doesn't really feel like it's the driving force mm. and it's more a sense of I, I want to be in the in the flow energy mm. and it is that most beautiful, sweet, contented place. Yes, man. I'm probably unusual at this day and age that I've never had um, an illegal drug anyway. Mm. I mean, I've had alcohol and, you know, <laughs> I've been in that place. But what I believe is that that feeling that people have when they've had, you know, a, an out-of-body experience, I've experienced that mm. and I know what it feels like and it's just that, oh, my God, I just feel so joyful. So it's not like that all the time mm. but I know that it's possible mm. and I think it's knowing that there is a sweet spot in life that is possible and... Every day I'm looking to just be in that space as much as yeah, I can. Get yeah, get as close to it as you can. I, that's, yeah. that's the whole reason I feel like I'm – it's a funny thing. Like I I am a – I can see my motivation waffling between yeah. the two things. It's And it, it always feels like I'm walking on a tightrope. Like I yeah. – my desire to create stuff almost always is driven yeah. by uh, a need to experience a new idea or yeah. manifest an idea that I had in my head and see it play out. You know, mm-hmm. like if I wanted to – I have a concept for a painting and I'm like, oh, I've I really want to try and get that out mm. or uh, something that I'm writing, whatever. So there's always like I have an idea and I want to see it through and see it materialize. And when I'm acting from that place, it feels amazing. Mm. Like it's like, oh, yeah, I'm really connected to yeah. this thing. And you and you get into the flow state. Yeah. You just get into yeah. the zone with it and you're really yeah. like enge- engaged in it. And then once it's out and it's done, that feeling like, you know, just sort of fades down, but it'll stay with me for a while. If I've created something and I feel really happy with it, it will stay with me for a little while, keep me sustained, and I'll feel just kind of confident, like just yeah. being. And then if I get negative feedback from the outside world or, you know, people don't seem to notice it or don't like it or whatever, then I start to question myself and the doubting voice comes back and it goes, well, you thought you were connected to that. It did feel really good to make it, but now nobody else really gives a shit. Nobody else thought it was uh, good. Nobody else is getting connected to it. So then I start to question if I yeah. ever if, even felt it and if I'm kidding myself, you know. Yeah. So lovely to hear that because what I'm hearing from you is and what I'm getting is you're connecting with yourself as the creator 
And that's what I believe we're here for. So we are all creators. What people don't get is that everything they've got in their life, whether it's good or bad, and I know that there's going to be people that listen to this and go, that's bullshit, you know, my <laughs> my bad health is not my, my fault or my, you know, circumstances that I was in, that wasn't my fault. Mm. Somewhere along the line, I believe it is our fault or it's our creation. Mm. So being connected to your creativity is where you're at your best. You know, that's what we come here for. So we come to bring something that doesn't exist into form. And really, when you think about it, everything that's in this room has been somebody's idea or creation. Now, when you're authentic with your sense of it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, I'm just doing it because it gives me joy. Mm. And it I'm doing it because, and look, I remember when I was married and I was painting and I was exploring my creativity and my husband was in, you know, we were in a very um, left brain kind of field, like we were in insurance and it was all about the money and it was all about, you know, what you could do. And he said to me, why are you doing that? I said, what do you mean? Why am I doing it? He said, well, what are you going to do with it when you've done it? Are you going to sell it? And I said, no, I'm doing it because I want to do it because it feels great mm. and because I might do well and it might look great and it might look like crap, but I just enjoy the process of doing it. Mm. So really what it's doing is it's validating me having the choice that I can do something that I want to do. Yeah. but I And I wonder about this because I've had, I've had periods of time where I just create stuff because yeah. I enjoy doing it and... I feel personally that I am not achieving my best potential if I'm not actively seeking feedback in a way that shows me that I'm growing or that I'm making connection. So like I feel cuz I feel like creativity yeah. also in in its immediate in its immediate moment of making something that's a pure thing. Yeah. But that it it resonates on the in the material world is also really important I think because I feel like I don't I don't know and maybe I I, I don't know so, where that so comes what from. I see oh if I could what I what I see is this is um and I'm relating this to people so that everybody else who's listening says I get that is that sometimes we do things and we want feedback we want other people to like it we want other people to say that was amazing but it's not about that. It's about being the authentic expression of your soul mm-hmm. so that everything you do is that authentic expression and whether other people value it or not. And in my mind while I'm talking, and I can't tell you the people, but I'm thinking about people that were now famous painters, but when they were alive, they weren't right, yeah. because people just looked at their stuff and either said, oh, that's rubbish or it's ahead of its time or, you know, they didn't value it. Mm. Now, the thing is, I believe we have to value what we do. And, you know, the energy of the tortured artist or the person that is the entrepreneur that never quite makes it is because they're still trying to bring something into the world that they think other people want instead of saying, what is it that my soul wants to express? And I can't take my eyes off that picture behind you, by the way. Mm. Is that yours? Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. Oh, wow. Thank you. See, I'm looking at that and I'm going, wow, there's such a depth in that. Mm. And the whole thing is that what's beautiful to one person is not beautiful to another person. So are are we going to let ourselves be defined by what other people say, Mm. think or feel? And obviously if we're creating things, we want it to be appreciated. But I think our job is to 
really appreciate what we did, almost like you would if, if, if a small child came to you and said, look at this amazing thing that I made. And really, when you look at it, it's rubbish, but you know that they thought it was amazing. You'd be going, oh, my God, that's so beautiful. Mm. And I think we have to encourage ourselves like the little child because we are at that much of our potential. So I was just sort of doing a little hand signal there to say <laughs> we're at like about 1% <laughs> of our potential. And what we do as human beings is we, we do things, we judge it, we shut it down, we say that's not good enough and, and we don't keep going and saying let me just see where this goes. And mm. that's what I love about my work is that when I start – and, you know, in a way I'm like a, a painter that's painting a picture for people. And and even when I'm teaching psychic development, I say to people, don't wait for everything to be perfect and then tell the story because the story is unfolding. Mm -hmm. So even as I'm talking to you now, I'm in, a, I'm in a flow of something and the story is unfolding. And what we have to learn is that if we stop the flow because we're waiting for recognition or we're waiting to see if it fits – we're stopping our own creativity and we're stunting our growth. Mm. And, you know, you'll know whether you think it's good enough for you. And if you look at something and go, wow, that was my idea and there it is, isn't that amazing? One thing I notice about our society is we have a very distorted view of ego. Is it good to celebrate self? And I believe it is. And is it good to be self-full? Yes, it is. So the energy of being able to do what lights us up, to be able to not make excuses for being in our passions, mm. to be able to really say, you know what, I did this painting and it's absolutely really amazing. I love it. And people would, you know, were worried, what will people think? Well, they think I've got a big head if I say that. But I think we've just got to turn that around. Mm. And you've got to turn that around in a way and say... I absolutely friggin' and um, you know enjoy doing that, and whatever anybody else thinks, mm. I don't care because I was in the zone when I did it. Yeah, and that's a tough thing to manage. I think is maintaining the zone. This yeah. is my uh, issue. Is while I'm working on something, if that little stupid voice comes in my head and goes, "Ooh, people might like this," yeah. or "Ooh, yeah. I wonder if this one's going to be good," yeah. <laughs> then it's like, "Shut up, you yeah. idiot!" Like, because as soon as I have that voice, I just yeah. get kicked right out of the zone. Like, I'll yeah. be in the flow of things. I'll be feeling amazing, and then that yeah. creepy little ego comes in and goes, yeah. "Oh, aren't you good, Lord?" Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we have a higher self, which is our highest potential, and I think we have a lower self, and that that's that part of us that maybe wants to keep us in check. But our job in life is not to let the lower self have a voice. Okay. So our job is to say, yeah, I hear you, but you know what? You're afraid, but I'm not. Mm. You're afraid, but I'm going to go and do it anyway. You think it's rubbish, but I know that this has value. And I might not have found the people yet that value what I do, but it's here. It's, it's been brought from somewhere it's been mm. given to you you know that picture that you've created there and obviously the listeners can't see it but it's the most amazing picture of um, a woman in water but there's so much depth there's so much color there's so much feeling we've got the beautiful you know gray clouds and but she's standing in her light is mm. what I see she's standing in her power so I've lost my train there other than Do to you know say... you what's interesting? What's really nice about you noticing that you like this picture and it's um, relevant at this exact moment because what this is, um, what I was painting, was that place that we go to when we're outside of ourselves. Like it's, it's hard to describe and I'd like you to maybe if we could talk about 
the other place yes. that you get information from. But yeah. that it's like if you take a bunch of psychedelics, you yeah. go to this place. Or if I have like a yeah. a very intense, beautiful experience with somebody, like it goes into this place. Yeah. And then I have to come back to the real world. Yeah. And this is that transition period where I'm looking back at that place going, I wish I could bring you with me, but I got to go home. Yeah. And so we, it's, it's like the ever. And yeah. so the, the painting is called um, Outside of Time. Oh, wow. It's beautiful. And I'd love that painting. So I hope you've got a print of it or you're going to sell it to me or whatever. But yeah, anyway, yeah, so, <laughs> so the thing is, this is what I see is that it's interesting that we live in a world of duality and, and mm. you've used very... Um, I don't monochromatic colors is that is that a, an mm-hmm. expression so that place that we go to is always available to us as is this world and the place mm. that we go to is the dream world it's the world of imagination it's the world of all possibility it's the world of letting go of what restraints are put on us now we live in a world of duality and we have to have both things we need logic we need it we need intuition and the, the issue I see with the world is that we spend too much time in the trying to figure things out mm. and instead of saying, well, I'll, I, I've got information but if I can access the creative and the other part of me and bring both of those together, I can create heaven on earth. Mm. And I feel that's what we're here to do is to know that there are times when we actually have to live the physical life and the physical life is saying... We have to know that whatever we've created we've, has come from our thoughts and our beliefs and our experiences. And we can change our reality at any given time. But we have to live in the body that we've created mm. and we have to learn to accept things. But we also have to learn that we've got the power at any given time to switch into something more amazing so just by being able to make an intention to say, I want to access higher knowledge, I want to access that part of me that is creative, opens the doorway. Mm. It's an energy of saying, I have the free will. I am, I am God. You are God. We have or whatever you want to call the creator. But we are the creators. Mm. And everybody's looking for it outside. So being able to access that energy is is possible at any time just with intention and the fact that you've experienced it means you know how to bring that feeling back into your body so I don't know about you but you know sometimes I sit there and I'm having my you know cup of coffee or whatever I'm doing my ginger tea and I'm thinking about times in my life that were sweet and when I think about those times, it brings the feeling back into my body. Yeah. And when you get that feeling back in your body, that's when you're opening up that potential again. Okay. So that's where we have to really guard our thoughts and try and stay out of the, this has to be my reality. Mm. I mean, you could do another painting where you are completely in that other world. Mm. Mm. And you make that intention and you surround yourself with beautiful things and that's more of your reality than the other one. Mm. Yeah, and it is an interesting thing like as mm. I, um, as you find yourself like on a path towards creating something or working on something that you're actively engaged in, it's almost like everything else seems to fall into line. And then when you stop doing it or something goes wrong and you start fixating on the thing that's wrong, then the entire color of the world changes. You know, you become yeah. fixated and then it's like that's the day that you roll your ankle and then that's yeah. the day that you, 
you know, whatever somebody calls and says that they don't like yeah. you or they're yes. not taking your so business opportunity. That's so true. So one of the things I've observed with my life and with the people that I work with is that everything starts to change the moment you access the frequency of creation. And creation is a gamma frequency, so it's a frequency of love and gratitude. So when people are struggling, so people that come to me for a reading, they come because they're stuck, they come because they want answers. And it might be with their business, it might be with their relationship. And what I see for them is that They've got too caught up in the what they should be doing. They've got too caught up in the everyday. And a lot of the time I say to them, look, if you could just give yourself permission to go and play at the beach or to go and learn a musical instrument or to go and paint and do these creative things, anything that you give yourself permission to do that's creative opens up all potential possibilities mm. and people that are struggling to bring a new business off the ground they're working you know all these mad hours and the the spirit inside them is going oh my god I'm sad because I want to play I want to explore I want to create so they need to do something other than what they're doing and the amount of um let's say ROI return on investment that people get from spending time you know, in their creative energy, it's it's infinite. Mm. You know, if somebody's stuck in their business, in their relationship, in whatever, I say to them, take time out, go up to the mountains, go and, you know, have a day up in Mount Tambourine or go somewhere, do something that feeds your spirit mm. because the spirit is that part of us that says, I don't want any rules. Yeah. I don't <laughs> want to be stuck in a room, you know. I'm 98% spirit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just want to be free. I just want to be able to live in my joy. And, you know, the people that live in their joy, it doesn't really matter what possessions they have. Mm. They always get by. But you can be rich, you can be wealthy and you can be spiritual and you can be successful. Mm. But what we've got to get to a point is of saying the creative energy is the source. That's what sources the energy of the universe as we look at it is ever expanding. So the more we look, the more it expands. That's like us. You know, the more we learn about ourselves, the more we can do. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm always inspired by those stories about people that change their world later in their life. Mm -hmm. You know, I changed my career when I was nearly 50 and I'm doing something now that I'm totally passionate about, things that I never believed I could do or would do. And it's like, wow, all because I wanted to, all yeah. because I wanted to explore it, all because I was tired of where I was. So it's well, yeah. how did you know how did you get pulled into this like did you have interesting some, question yeah did you have some <laughs> some big awakening well I went through what I call my dark night of the soul mm. so I was in a marriage I was unhappy with I had a daughter who was going through stuff um, addiction um, my mother was dying my father-in-law was dying I'd broken my back twice I was unhappy I was really 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 unhappy and. Mm. I was at that point where I just, you know, I thought, well, what's life all about? So yeah. I took 12 months off work and I just meditated every day. And I'd always had a dream of perhaps working in something different, but I didn't know what it was. I knew I wanted to um, help people. But at that point in my life, I might have appeared confident, but I was nowhere near the person that I am today. I never spoke up if things, if I disagreed with anything. I just went along with what you know, my ex-husband wanted, I went along with the life that we had and I just felt lost and I felt mm. that big hole inside me. 
So I went on a bit of a healing journey. I knew that there was stuff from my childhood I had to let go of. So, I, you know, I don't really want to bore everybody with my story. <laughs> but the energy of it was basically my father was a boxer. And when my mother married him, he was Indian. So he traveled from India to London. Mum was 16 when she met him. I was the second child. And by that time, their relationship had broken down to a point where he he was beating her on a regular basis. Mm. So before I was born, I experienced violence in the womb. And only from the stories that I've been told, I know that when a man came into the room after I was born, for the first three years, I would scream the place down. So I couldn't be around men because I was so afraid. So coming in as well in the 60s, being half Indian was very, uh, there was a lot of racism at that time. So my mother remarried. We went from London when I was six up to the north of England and it was like going from, um, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like going from one country to going back in time. Oh, wow. It was was just like this place where people were all white, where there was no multiculturalism at all. I felt different and I never felt like I belonged and I just always knew that my life wouldn't be there. And at 16 I ran away from home because my mother remarried, you know, to my stepfather. It wasn't happy. And at 16 uh, the first boy that I ever kissed or went out with, um, he was in the Navy and I ran away and I was pregnant almost immediately. Wow. So I had two, oh ch- I had two children by the time <laughs> I was 22 and at 22 we emigrated to Australia. So... I always felt different. I always felt like I didn't belong and I did what I needed to do to survive to bring up my children. But when I was at that point in my late 40s, I was like, my God, what's my life all about? Now, what I know is that there is a there is sort of a plan before we come of why we come. And so I knew that I wanted to clean up my act. I knew I had to be responsible for myself. I knew I had to learn how to not lose myself as soon as I found a relationship. So I went on a healing journey and as soon as I started with my Reiki, um, everything opened up psychically and mediumistically for me. So mm. when I was healing, I would have start to feel things in my body and I would think I was being, you know, I wasn't well. And then when my people came for their healings, I, my symptoms were their symptoms. So mm. suddenly I recognised that I was really tuned into them And then I did a few courses, you know, I wanted to explore it. You know, suddenly there were people standing next to me when I was doing healing. Now, I know that that stuff happened to me as a child and I know that I shut it off because I have a lot of really strange things that happened when I was a child and even in those intervening years. This is when I was in my 20s and my son was at a sports camp and he was in Sydney and they were taking so many children overseas to be, they were 17, they were taking them to be part of the Australian under 17 soccer squad. Now, I wasn't doing this work, but that night I was in the room with the coaches and I was listening to everything they were saying about him. So that was a really, really whoa experience because then when I saw him and I spoke to him everything that I had seen and said they had said to him. So this was a really bizarre experience. I was in Newcastle, he was in Sydney. Mm. And I used to have a lot of things like that happen where I knew things or I was in other places. Mm. And that's just really our consciousness that can travel because that happened in a in like a dream state. Mm. So to answer your question, which was <laughs> how did I get into this, I think was what you asked, it was really through me saying 
I don't want the life I've got. I don't want to be in that world. I want to explore another world. And I don't know whether I'm going to be any good at it. I don't know whether this is something I can do. And I've been plagued with doubts over the years. But the more that I did it, the more clear things came to, you know, more clearly things came. Mm. And it's almost to that point now where I think I can't ever imagine my life where I wasn't using this gift because it is a gift but it's a gift that can be developed everybody has the the capacity to tune into information it's all out there it's all there so how did you you so you would you had a couple like odd things happen and then you needed to practice to develop it more how did you go about doing that oh I went to groups so there are things that we in this in the business course circles so I went to you know different psychic circles there's a college over in England which I'm going back to again in August the Arthur Finlay College of Mediumship so I've been there a few times but I sought out teachers I sought out other people that were doing the work and I said hey can I sit with you can you help me to be honest did a lot of meditation and a lot of uh, just yeah following there are protocols that you can follow people that want to develop this I mean I actually run an online course now teaching people how to do that because there are specific ways that you can access information do you find a bunch of quacks in the environment like do you have to pick your teachers carefully if they're yeah you do yeah you do you do there are Mm. there's I mean it is yeah look in any business there are people that are genuine and there are people that are a bit on a different tangent mm. I feel for myself that I'm a grounded person my whole purpose of doing the psychic work and the mediumship work is to help others heal that's why I do what I do I see myself essentially as not a healer but as a person that can help people see what's stopping them from happiness mm-hmm. so mm. I just say I've got some information that can help you I've also you know got energy that I can work with that can help you shift energy Mm. so I see myself primarily as the healer and the person that can help people find their own answers but yeah you're right there are a lot of people out there that I don't resonate with Mm. and so I had to choose my teachers very carefully Mm. and I feel that that's what happens you know I know energetically with my work the people that need me find me and I'm not everybody's cup of tea and there are people um, that ring me sometimes for appointments and I know that they're not the right people and so if it doesn't go anywhere I'm not a f- you know I don't care about that mm. I just go well I'm not the right person for them do you find people are like closed off when they come to see you that you have a hard time reading them because it looks like they're resisting the process or very, very few very few um general I did have that recently with someone and in fairness to him you know he'd not done it before and he was wanting to make sure I was the real deal. Yeah. So, but I will say, if somebody sits there with their arms closed, saying nothing, it, it puts a barrier up, mm. and it makes it more difficult because you are actually working with their energy. Mm. So, if you know, most people that come are very open, and they want the guidance. So, if they want the guidance and they're open, it's 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 easy. Mm. You know, it's that thing of because we're working with energy fields, we're working with people's ability to receive information and you know in a relationship if somebody puts a wall up between you and doesn't want to speak to you that's an energy that you feel Mm -hmm. and so it will block it will be harder Mm -hmm. but honestly most of the time the people that come I'd say 99.9 percent are very open and they they're looking for answers do you find that like people like that that are skeptical sort of like try and test you like 
prove, yeah. tell me what my yeah. mom's name is and tell yeah, me Yeah, they you do. Know, and, and you know, if they if they come to a mediumship reading with that energy, it totally shuts it down for me and for spirit in a way because what we're doing is it's not if it was that easy, if you could just go to a medium and say, well, you know, tell me this, tell me that, tell me this, everybody would be doing it. Yeah. It's more – and occasionally I get those people. And occasionally I've had to say to somebody, you know, look, I'm not the reader for you. Yeah. You know, that isn't the way that I work. Mm-hmm. I work very much with the soul energy. So I'm working with their personality and it, it's it's not science it's um, it's like charades in your mind. Hmm. So what you're doing when you're working with someone in the spirit world is they're giving you an impression of themselves. Hmm. So often I might just feel them and they might not be able to give me the pictures in the mind that other people can give. Hmm. They might not be clear communicators. So it's it's a really interesting line of work yeah it sounds i'm really curious to get into the nitty-gritty of it if you don't mind i'd love to yeah yeah um when you so we've been talking a lot about the other place yeah and and you said mentioned um many times that we come here what do you mean by that like what is that well my belief is that we are that when we pass our consciousness is what it is it's pure consciousness Mm -hmm. that we are in a place where, and I don't know whether it's a physical place, you know, whether it's actually a place that mirrors this world. I'm not sure about that. I just know that we're in a stream of consciousness where we have a soul and a spirit. Now, spirit and our soul are actually different. So our soul is that part of us that thinks it's different. You know, the spirit's the part of us that's part of the great spirit. It's part of everything. So the spirit inside us, the spiritual aspect of us and the spirit is the part that is eternal, that is, it knows that it's part of something better and greater. It's sort of like the original creative force. It's like the original creative force. And I just think we are the sparks of that original creative force. And that when we come into, incarnate into a physical body, it's so that we can evolve and, yeah, really get back to the source, get back to being happy, content, creative, not carrying any feeling that we've done anything wrong. Huh. Okay, so like the elimination of shame over time. Yeah. And if you are a spark, in theory, the spark's like flown off, gone inside a baby's body and then yeah. appeared. Yeah. And its purpose is the elimination of shame over experience. Absolutely. Huh. And it's the, I think it's the experience of ecstasy and bliss as well. Mm. So if you if you only exist in love, and I'm only pausing because sometimes I... I'm also questioning things and saying, what is the answer to that? Mm -hmm. But I believe the energy of source is just pure love. And I don't think there's an opposite to it. Whereas in our world, we can only work with opposites. Mm. We can only say there's love or there's no love. So I think I believe that the ultimate that we're looking for is to be in the state of no blame, no shame, no judgment, just acceptance but also creation. How yeah. can I help? How can I keep? How can I contribute something that means something? So your artwork will move people. 
This is what people don't get. So even speaking now, there's a vibration that we're putting out into the universe. Everything that you do carries a vibration and the vibration is dependent on how you feel when you're doing what you're doing. Mm. So that thing of if you're painting, you're painting with joy, it's going to be a beautiful expression. If you're doing something and you think that you're rubbish, that's what you're going to put into it. Yeah, or needy. I often yeah. I look at stuff that I've created, whether it's an artwork or writing or a, yeah. anything I've done, and I can sense my neediness in it. Yeah. You know, I can see like my own self-indulgence yeah. in yeah. it a bit. Yeah. Like the, it was something that I was using to... Um, create more of a self rather than yeah. the demolition of myself, you know, like yeah. the expansion of myself. Instead, yeah. sometimes I do activities that make me feel that are trying to like tether things to me, like yeah. prop me up yeah. rather than to let me ex- expand. Yeah. Do you know what's interesting about that is I don't know, it, this I always wonder if I'm inside my own head or not, but we went and watched a band, a, a group of our friends play music uh, a couple weekends ago. And I was there, I was chatting away to everybody, I was having a great time. It was so nice to be out and I was just really having good conversations with many people, which is rare. And a guy came up and he was nice looking and I sensed the thing about him straight away that I was like, oh, you're attractive. Yeah. And immediately my brain changed from yeah. being in this like calm, comfortable, happy state to being, I need to impress you yeah. because suddenly I've just decided that he's attractive. Yeah. And it's not usually like, oh, if somebody's good looking, it's a different thing. It's like I sense a thing about them that I'm like, oh, there's something attractive about you. Mm. And then from that moment forward, uh, after a couple of minutes of everybody talking together, he went away and I never saw him again until many hours later it was like he was gone Mm. and then when I saw him again I had this like neediness to get his attention because I had spent the last three hours thinking he was gone or whatever and then all of a sudden he was there again and this neediness felt literally like a force field around me like I was just radiating this horrific neediness (laughs) and the more I look at him the more it was like I was repulsing myself and I finally was like fuck this I'm going home (laughs) like I have to leave now because I've just ruined everything Mm. So, so I know what you you mean. Like I haven't, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about like chakras and energy and that kind of thing. But I know exactly what you're talking about. If we don't put it in a kind of flowery sense, I, it that's a, a common experience that most people have. Yeah. It's like I'm putting this kind of energy out and it feels wrong. Yeah, something's wrong. Yeah. So what it is though is, if you look at what happened. You were in your element and then you saw somebody that you felt was attractive. So then there's something in you that says, but what if he doesn't want me or what if I'm not enough? So the the part of you that needs to be acknowledged, so I believe that everything happens so that we can find it and love it. So there'd be a part of you somewhere that says, oh, I'm not good enough for that person. Mm. So, you know, without giving you a session, you know, on the in the public arena, but it would just be to observe that and go, wow, isn't that interesting? Isn't that curious that when that happened, I went into neediness? So I always say to people, sit and ask what part of you is needy. It's not the woman I'm seeing sitting here in front of me now. Mm. There is, because there are aspects of us that get frozen in time. So there are aspects of us from the past that where something, either we were rejected or we, you know, we went through some kind of, I'm going to say normal everyday life, but (laughs) our soul goes, oh, we want to hold on to that because you've really come into this life to let go of the feeling that you're not good enough. Yeah. So 
when you ask which aspect of me, which part of me felt needy, you would either get that image or you'd go to an age and your job is then to just love that part of yourself so that you can integrate that part of yourself from the past with today. How do you love a part of yourself? Um, Physically, you pretend that you're that person. So, for example, here's an example. So say there was... um, I'll, I'll give you one for me. So eight years old, I always remember myself feeling like I didn't belong and that I wasn't enough, you know, and I, I felt different. So how you love yourself is you grab a cushion or you grab a teddy bear and you sit and you bring that little girl to, oh, I bring her to my mind and I hug her and I tell her that I love her and I tell her that she's safe and I tell her that she's got a great life coming up and that she's not stuck there anymore mm. and that she's the most amazing girl that ever was and even though she felt different then I'm there for her now mm. see why she felt different was because her mum wasn't there for her her dad wasn't there for her there was no one else to give her validation now the thing that we have to understand is that the only people as adults that can give us validation is ourselves but we have to give it to that disowned part of ourselves. So the part that's still hurting over here, I've been on that front veranda with that eight-year-old for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. She's okay now. She's happy now. Mm. But I'd have to periodically keep going back there and saying it's okay, mm. you know, and celeb- you know, just be that person that almost like you feel, you've got to feel where you feel the sadness though. So when you, what you felt with neediness, I will guarantee you that there would have been heaviness here, there would have been all sorts of things going on in your physical body. Mm. Now when you can feel what's going on in your body and accept that that feeling isn't from today, it's a feeling that you had in a past time. Mm. So the idea is you ask for that image or you, you even make the intention to go back to where that energy felt destabilized and you just hold yourself and you just call light into that part of your body or imagine because you're a painter that you could see the darkness in the little girl that maybe felt Mm. lost or separate that you paint beautiful white in there or you paint all (laughs) these beautiful sparkly things however it works for you but you actually look at shifting the energy from that time Mm. and that's how and that's how healing happens. Yeah. You know, all PTSD, all traumas can be healed because what we have to do is, is somehow change the, the thought pattern or the energy of that person that experienced it. Mm. So, And what does happen is it's like our systems go overload, 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 can't deal with it, so we just park the pain. Mm. And the pain's always there until we find it and we release it. Yeah, wow. And I can say from my own experience of my the work that I've done on myself and with help from others. And one thing I will say is that we can't do a lot of this stuff ourselves. We need other people. It took two people to bring us into the world. It took more than that to deliver us and to bring us in. So we all try and think we can do it ourselves. We're not meant to do it ourselves. We're meant to talk. We're meant to share. We're meant to get help. Mm. And when we get help and we reach up, It helps the person that's helping and it also helps the person. So what I know is that the energy of, you know, in my own life, the last maybe five years have been the happiest, the most amazing of my life as I've let go of all that stuff. Mm. There's nothing really that I'd be afraid to do now. 
except jump out of an aeroplane. I really yeah, don't want to do that. that. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I just don't want to do that. But I haven't conquered that fear. <laughs> but if it was, you know, go and speak or go and ad lib or go and do anything, it's like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Mm. You know, I'll I'll just do it. You know, if it feels right, if intuitively it feels right. Yeah. So you, I mean, it's quite important, obviously, that you spend time developing this intuition to be able to understand yeah. what feels right and what's, because yeah. that is a common hiccup, I think, for a lot of people is this sensation like, oh, no, I'm just not meant to do that. I'm never going to do that. And yeah. it's like, really, or is that your doubt speaking? Yeah. You know, and it's really hard, I find, to differentiate between those voices between, yeah. wait, this doesn't feel right, or this doesn't feel right, but I know it's good for me. Like, I yeah. know that this is the right thing for me. And I, I, I think... Um, the only ways that I've been able to differentiate between the voice of doubt and the voice of intuition were going, pushing myself to like a very extreme point, like fighting where I had to get to a point where I was like the, uh, believing in myself, no, like making a commitment to saying that I'll have a fight and go going through with it is more important to me than anything else right now. It's not, I didn't give a shit about winning or hurting someone or any of that stuff. And yeah. that, and in fact, all that stuff usually put me in a grosser headspace. It made me feel uncomfortable. It was about, I need, I said that I was going to do this thing. I've worked my ass off to try and train for this thing. Yeah. I need to see it through to the other side. And so then when the doubt would come up and be like, oh no, you can't do this. You're, you know, who do you think you are? They're going to be better. They're going to hurt you, whatever. All of that stuff would come up. And I clearly had two voices in my head that one yeah. was like, no, you said you wanted to do this because it's for your growth. Yeah. And the other one was gone, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. And then as soon as I could yeah. see that there was two of me and not just because all I've ever heard my whole life is you're a piece of shit. Yeah. Like that's the yeah. whole, that was the most dominant voice inside my head for as long yeah. as I yeah. um, could remember. And then it, but I yeah. always have this drive to do stuff too. Yeah. So it's like, it's such an uncomfortable feeling. It's a push and pull. It's like, there's one part of you that's going, yes, please try, try, try. And then the other person's going, you idiot. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and it's so hard to, yeah. and, and I think a lot of people, as soon as you fir- hear the first instinct or that, that first inkling of you're an idiot, we all just go, yeah, you're right. I am. Yeah. yeah. And then, and it's only like kind of really pushing yourself to actually grow that mm. you find yourself. Mm. I th- I believe that you have to really become your own fan and that you've got to keep on encouraging yourself and looking for, like when the dissenting voice comes, you've got to, I, what I've developed is a very strong yes and no for myself. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, what I teach of people to be able to really feel because being able to feel is a good thing. Mm. But sometimes we've got voices in our heads that aren't really our voices so they're the voice of our mothers or our fathers or other spiritual energies that might want to stop us on our journey. So I, I just know that sometimes I say, is that my doubt and is it real? And, you know, I think you have to keep staying with the, I believe in this and what is my purpose, what is my mission, mm-hmm. what, will, what will doing this achieve for me? And being really honest with yourself. Being really honest with yourself that. and just going, am I afraid? And loving that part of yourself that is afraid. So you can go, you know what, I know you're scared and it's okay. And if you stuff up, it doesn't matter. I'm going to love you anyway. So it's that thing of maybe not listening to the voice that says you're rubbish because to me that doesn't feel like that's you. That's not your spirit. Mm. That's a voice that you've taken on Mm. from somebody else. Mm. And then you can start to say, um, do I have permission to let go of that voice? And you have to become consciously aware 
of the voices and you have to become consciously aware of your capacity to override any negativity within you. Mm. And you do that by staying more in the light, by more in the positive energy. In, for people that are um, sort of driven by this sensation of like needing to be better, needing to do more, yeah. um, I mean, there is some argument that a lot of the best uh, art that's been created musically or yeah. um, comedy or any of it is a ca- caused by a desire to avoid pain or deal with the pain of something that you've experienced. And so was, I had a sensation the other day that I didn't want to let go of that feeling of the whole because I might not have the motivation to try harder if it yeah. didn't exist. You know what I mean? If I didn't, yeah. if I wasn't out running myself, yeah. <laughs> then maybe I wouldn't achieve yeah. anything. Yeah. I think that's where that will go when you say that maybe your experiences could help other people. Yeah. So okay. I think that's where we move into that realm of I don't need to do this to make myself feel better. Mm. I want to do it because I know that for some reason somebody else is going to listen to it, see it, experience it, and it will help them. Mm. So the, 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 motiv- the motivation becomes different. Yeah. It's more of a um, I don't need to do it, but I think it would be a great thing to do. Yeah. So oh, that that's you, cool. Yeah, that's yeah. a good – and it's a nice way to reframe it because it becomes yeah. – yeah. And it's not like a corny thing like, oh, I'm just really helping the world. No, no. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's so self-indulgent to yeah. constantly be coming from a place yeah. of I need to fix me. Yeah. Huh. So could we talk a little bit more about um, – you? so you were saying that – that there are, are voices in your head. When you're working with somebody else, you get impressions of yep. things that are coming and energies that they're feeling and sometimes other beings or impressions of other spirits or whatever. And so mm. would it be safe to say that it feels like they come from the same place that we used to come from? Oh, so are you talking about people that have died? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So people that have died, if they want to make connection with their loved ones, they will come forward you know, and I just think that they're around us all the time anyway. It's a, it's like a stream of consciousness that is there. Wow. Now, if someone is, usually with mediumship, if someone is grieving, the person on the other side wants to come forward and say, hey, I'm okay. I don't have a physical body. I've got no pain, you know, and whatever I was struggling with, now I'm up here or wherever I am in this stream of consciousness I see everything, I feel everything, I understand everything. So there's a great book by a lady called Anita Morjani. I don't know if you've read that Mm -hmm. book, but it's, um, I think it's called Dying to Be Me. And she was just an ordinary kind of person and she was unwell and she had cancer and she passed over. But when she passed, her father, who was already in the spirit, came to her and said, um, you know, you've, you've got a choice, you can go back and you're, you've got work to do. And her work has been to let people know that there is more mm. once we pass over. But the one thing she said was that when I passed over, I was everywhere all at once. I knew that my brother was coming over. I could see what my mother was doing. I, I You know, she could see and feel everything all at once. Wow. Now, we can't comprehend that because we've got our physical five senses and we're confined to our body. But the way I see it is a stream of consciousness that we are everywhere. We're like part of the universe. And if you're struggling here on earth and you can't accept things about how our relationship was or what happened, when they come to a medium, the medium is, you know, making an intention that whoever needs to come comes forward. 
and they'll give impressions of their life as proof that they are still around you know Mm. they'll they'll give memories they'll give things but the whole idea the whole purpose of that is so that that person can let go Mm. you know there are people that want to come and just have a mediumship reading because oh it's you know I just want to say hello to mum and I just think well just say hello to her (laughs) she can say hello to her in your mind and you'll get a response because our loved ones are around us it's where people doubt and they want answers or where they feel that there's uh, healing to be done, mm-hmm. you know, that they want closure. Yeah, so it, it could, it's almost like it's possible that what you're experiencing is the person's memory of that person and what they need to hear. Not really. Does it feel more? No, no, because often, um, no, it's not that. That's what I would call psychic, where you're tuning into their memory of them. Oh, okay. But they're very different energies. So in from a mediumship huh. point of view, you actually will feel their presence and they can give you information that that person doesn't even know. And when they go away and they'll verify it later and they'll go, oh, yeah, you know. So you can't be dealing with their memory of it. Wow, that's interesting. So so it is interesting. did it ever, like, do you ever have moments where you, like something like that happens and you just go, I can't believe that this is. Yeah, actually, sometimes I have to pinch myself and I go, oh, my God, I don't, (laughs) you know, I don't believe this sometimes. Um, And some people, you know, there was a lady, can I just share a reading with you? Of course, yes. So there was a lady that came and I think she'd come from Sydney. I don't know. Her daughter made the booking. She arrived. She sat down. But before she arrived, so in my mind, I've got this man here in a a suit and he's got like a wedding suit on and I'm saying, look, I've got a man here and, you know, it feels like he's your partner and it's got this wedding suit on and she's... um, Anyway, so we go through the reading and her partner had died and I saw how he died. He had this sudden heart attack. I think he was with her when it happened But what happened is he think he died on Valentine's Day and they'd always talked about getting married and they didn't. But the whole message for her with the way that he presented himself in the wedding suit kept giving me images was that he wanted to marry her Mm -hmm. and that he hadn't, I think on that day he was going to propose to her and that all came out later. But it was just this, I mean, she just sat there with tears streaming down her face the whole time. And I could see her father, who was a chief in in one of the islands of Fiji, and it was showing me this dress that she was wearing. And it was just, there was so much detail that there was no doubt. And there was an energy of them both being together because her father and her husband were in the spirit world together. And there was just this beautiful reconciliation, I think, and, and peace that he was okay so yeah it's 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 an interesting thing when you go into like an altered experience of consciousness like you haven't had psychedelics but that there is a a sense about the psychedelic when you go to that place that feels so authentically true yeah and it's stupid when you come out of it. it's like the being in a dream yeah and it's like it was 100% real in the dream. I don't yeah. know what else to tell you. No. But I can relate to that though because I've had dreams that have been real where yeah. I've been in it and I've gone, that actually felt like it happened. Yes. So the only reason I won't do psychedelics is because I think it would um, scare the pants off me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd be probably quite open. I, a yeah. friend of mine is, was practising to be a shaman and he yeah. always talked a lot about that. Like you had said that there are, you know, potentially uh, – spirit entities that are guiding some of your decisions or whatever and that in like ancient indigenous traditions that's a really common thing that once you open your mind up using either psychedelics or meditation or whatever you 
it's not everything that's disembodied is not no. good for you necessarily. That's you know, exactly like right. Yeah. Some of them may be attaching onto you to yeah. do, mm. an, you know, bad things. Yeah. But um, so as far as the psychic stuff goes, when you say you're tapping into someone's energy, when they walk in and they're kind of open and ready, how does it go? Like what, what is it? Um, well... How does it go? It just I the way I start. I mean, I, I think everybody's different. Everybody works differently. I usually just start with their birthday because numbers speak to me, and I do a bit of numerology. And I'll always start with this is what your numbers are. This is what your year is. And as I start saying that, it's like my tune into the vibration. And for however it works, pictures just start appearing in my mind. Wow. And so it will. And the pictures are. Not necessarily about them in the sense of it can be very symbolic, but I, I've learnt to understand what those symbols are. Sometimes I physically see what's going on in their life, but I just it's, it's just like a story starts to unfold. And as I speak, other things come in and I can see exactly what's going on. And usually it's just because there is an intention. It's like I'm opening a door and I'm saying, so for example, at the moment, I'm not reading you. Mm. So people often say when I'm out, am I, am I, you know, what do you see around me? And I don't see anything. For me, there has to be an intention to do that. And yeah, it's almost, yeah, I don't, it's like there's a switch in me that goes, okay, now delve into that mm. and mm. see what I can see. And the intention is always, what can I see that will help this person understand themselves and make better choices? Yeah. Mm. Oh, that it's a cool little calling, man. I mm. think I think it's a, a very like I think it's a very misunderstood and underrepresented world. Yeah. Just I mean, just the ability because I mean I think you know as you're talking about with psychotherapy before, I I really I love the idea of psychotherapy, and I spend yeah. a lot of time studying um, yeah. reading. I shouldn't say studying reading; yeah. it's more yeah. appropriate. Yeah. Um, Books about a young and, and oh, his yeah, ideas sure, and stuff. Yeah. And so much of what he works yeah. on and runs on yeah. is intuition. Yeah. And it's like, wouldn't it be great if we could merge these two worlds together to really start oh. to open this stuff up? And I think, as you mentioned before, like we are headed in that direction a little bit because they are yeah. they have gone into phase three clinical trials of MDMA yeah. um, for PTSD in the US. Yeah, yeah. I and, saw that, yeah. And I, I you when you were talking before about um, finding that person inside yourself and hugging yeah. it. I had a night where I was, um, I was pretty like bad on drugs and drinking yeah. a lot for yeah. a little period, just yeah. very lost. Yeah. And I think it, sometimes when I go to like the deepest pits of my own despair, it sort of yeah. opens up these things. Yeah. Like on my worst days, sometimes I have the be best insights. Yeah. But um, I was out drinking with a bunch of 21 year olds that didn't, you know, just we didn't resonate with each other. We were there in a town to party together and yeah. nobody really understood me. I felt like a pure outsider. I was seven years older than they were and it was embarrassing. Well, I felt like it was embarrassing. Mm. So I had a big wall up and we took a bunch of drugs and we we're out partying. And it just all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I just got this overwhelming sensation that these people were just like cows, like chewing their face and they're just being and experiencing and yeah. consuming yeah. and I just suddenly like woke up and realized that I was amongst these animals mm. that were just gratifying their physical needs <laughs> right then and I didn't belong there yeah. I was I needed to be drastically in an, the opposite side of the planet yeah. wherever I was I was in the wrong <laughs> spot and so I um 
Luckily, I had my headphones with me and I had my iPod. I put music in my ear to someone that was going to be more resonant to that space of mind yeah. that I was in. And I just wandered the city and I was in such a state of despair that I was like, kill me. You know what yeah. I mean? Have someone come up behind me and hit me with a stick. Yeah. I do not give a fuck. Yeah. And I, I was, uh, it was ecstasy, some variation of ecstasy that we had taken. It was pills. And then finally, when I could stop walking, I went up and sat on my balcony. And that's the closest I've ever come to killing myself. I was sitting on the top of the balcony and I just was like, the pain was so intense in my chest. And I looked over the edge of the balcony and I was like, all I have to do is jump. Like, all I have to do yeah. is go over the edge of this and the pain will stop. Yeah. And it's not just the pain, it's like time will stop. Yeah. I'm sick of time. I was yeah. sick of having to figure out how to pass time in mm. a world that I didn't belong. Yeah. And so then I sat there uh, on my balcony. Instead of jumping off, I just said, I know what, I'm just going to sit here and just let it wash over me. Come and come and come. Yeah. All of the worst of everything yes. you've got, give me all the pain. Yeah. And so I sat there and I was just crying, like all the pain of the heaviness of every moment of my life just seemed like yeah. it was all on top of me at that moment. But there was something so honest about it. It wasn't a story yeah. anymore. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like, yeah. oh, that guy doesn't like me because that's usually the dumb voice in my head, like I'm inventing things. But this was such an intense, heavy sadness that it just washed over me like a yeah. bath of water. And I just laid in it. I was kind of like sitting out on this balcony. And then... um I had a very distinct vision of a little girl stuck in a cave who was seven years old and she was just stuck in there. And I like, she started like poking her head out at me and I, all of this, I wasn't having a hallucination, no. you know, it's just a oh, sensation of this. Yeah. And it was like, this girl was like, you n never listened to me. Yeah. And I was like, I am sorry. I don't know what to do with you. You know, yeah. like. I didn't know you were down there, yeah. wherever you are, you're stuck. And she was like, you know, the amount of times that I wanted you to do things and you never listen yeah. and you always you're choose. Driven. You're driven to, to please and to do please other, things. other people. Yeah. It's like the more, every time you take someone else's opinion above mine, it just makes me feel smaller. And fuck. That's, I mean, that's the essence of healing is that you have to feel in order to heal. <sighs> so you allowed that and. That is the most beautiful story. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. But that is exactly what it's all about. Yeah. It's finding that part of you that's been disowned and, and the pain when you feel it, the only way to release something is to allow it. And I think we've got to be able to learn that pain isn't a bad thing. You know, I was talking at the Mind, Body, Spirit Festival in Melbourne last week and I've written a book about love and about relationships and I, I opened it to questions and one of the women said to me, how do I help my daughter? She's just broken up in a relationship and she's only 16 and she's devastated and I want to help her and I don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. And I said, just love her, just hold her, just love her, just yeah. be there for her. It's just time. It's just time. But the thing is, and I said to the, the audience, I said, stop feeling that pain is bad. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's bad when you're going through it. But it's only through accessing our pain we find our gold. Because mm. when you're in your pain, you find your answers. Mm. If you will allow yourself to stay in the pain and not run away from it. And what people do is they run away from it through, through drugs, through, you know, suicide, through all sorts of ways of trying to escape. Mm. And it never goes away until we face it and we see the truth. And the truth is we are light, we are amazing, there is more for us 
And there is a part of us that's got all wisdom, all knowledge, and that part wants to be acknowledged. Yeah. And there is a little girl in everyone, there's a little boy in everyone that wants to play. We don't want to fucking go to work. We don't want to do all this <laughs> shit. You know, I mean, if I had my way, I'd be... I'd be painting all day, mm. you know, and I'd be going for lunch and I'd be doing amazing things. And I'm working on that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> That's my plan. But, you know, there's a part of us that doesn't want to be restricted and doesn't want to please other people. Mm. Our job is not to please other people. Our job is to accept ourselves and know that sometimes we'll get things right, sometimes we'll, you know, have to do it another way. Yeah. But that's the energy of the creator. We didn't quite get it right this time, so let's have another go. Things do feel so much better when you just like, oh, oh you really do, just, don't they? Absolutely. There's just that this, moment of just... Oh, you know, I can just let it go. Yeah. But I know from my own experience that that... I mean, I, I feel I carried depression with me for many years mm. and I was always had that blackness inside me, that heaviness, that feeling of, you know, that life's horrible, that I felt terrible, that mm. nothing I did was right and that I... So I, I understand that feeling but I know the only way to clear it is to face it and mm. feel it but get help in how to release it. And really it's about working with our best self, about being encouraging, but about going to the point of where you feel it. And what you said is I surrendered, I, I bathed mm. in it and I said bring it on, let me feel it all. So whatever's been suppressed within you, this life or many other lifetimes of fear and having to struggle for survival, struggle to be accepted, all of that rose up mm. and it disappeared. Yeah. And it doesn't have to come back. The yeah, thing is that when you feel not. something fully, so here's the go. I'm just going to share my analogy that I give to people. When we push down something that hurts us, when we push pain down, we it doesn't go away because it's energy. So to feel an emotion fully, it's like you have it has a beginning, it has a peak and it has an end. So think of sex. When, when you have a sexual experience, there's arousal, there's orgasm, and then that feeling leaves the body. There is not one person on the planet that can stay in orgasm forever. <laughs> it's not possible, is it, for your body? Mm. So, But what we do as human beings is when we start to feel something, if we don't want to feel the peak of a pain, we push it down. So think, don't want to have orgasm, push it down. Mm. So the pain that we don't experience or the fear or the hurt that gets pushed down and it sort of builds up it just gets compressed and if what your soul is saying is you need to let that stuff go mm. so i see so it like masturbate on a bus so well <laughs> I, I see it like internal pimples that we have like if you have a spot on your face and it's filled with pus and poison if you squeeze it or if you do something and you feel that pain and then it goes, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It's like it builds up when a boil builds up somewhere on your body. Mm. And so I know that internally we carry energetic boils and what you've got to do is be okay with letting them go. Yeah. Wow, my goodness. That was so nice talking to you. Thank you. It's Thank been a you real, for coming. Yeah, it's been a real joy. Um, yes. How do people find you if they need to find you? Oh, they can Google Susan Kennedy, Psychic Medium, and go to my website, which is www.visana.com. I'm on Facebook, Facebook under Susan Kennedy, Psychic Medium. 
And they can book directly online with me. Cool. So okay. I've got um, a schedule appointment. And I do video calls, so I read all over the world. Okay. Yeah, so anybody that needs me, I'm there. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming. That's it.